things that we're going to look at this morning is that I love that the fact that the word hallelujah is almost in every dictionary, every lexicon, and almost every language across this world. That for whatever reason, it's like become the tradition of the church, that that's a word that we don't translate, that we keep that original word hallelujah, because there's just something inside of us when we say those words that we're saying the same language with the same tongue that's been praising and worshiping Jesus all the way back to the time when he was here on earth and people had cried out, hallelujah. And that we get a chance to join in a song that we're probably going to be singing um, in our time, even in eternity, in God's presence, as we declare hallelujah. Would you let me just say a word of prayer and let God's presence just come into this message? Father, as we direct our hearts towards you, uh, God, I pray that no matter what emotional spiritual, relational, financial condition we find ourselves in. That, God, that we just step into this moment of worship. And, God, we meditate on the truth that speaks of your worth, your value, and who you are, God. God, as we enjoy this final song in our summer playlist, as we consider the lyrics, God, I pray that we can apply these lyrics to our hearts and lives. God, I pray that the spirit of the living God would just take the living word of God that we've heard or here read this morning and make it so powerful, so meaningful to our lives and our hearts that it would translate into all the relationships that we have. God, I pray that this morning that you would create a noticeable difference as we step in your presence. We pray this name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. One of the things I, I really enjoy that I don't get to do very often is being a part of other worship services. Um, I, I kind of have a job that requires me to be here most Sundays. Uh, and I'm glad to be here, but as I think back on my life, I think back to there was one time that we did a cruise that overlapped on a Sunday, and um, uh, my sister did some music, and then I gave a a word with like, they had a chapel actually on this boat. Um, and then just an outbreaking of the Holy Spirit happened in the middle of the ocean, which for some reason felt extra powerful. Just like the reality of scripture was coming true, that there's no place our God cannot go. There's no place too high. There's no place too far. There's no place too barren. There's no place too remote that the spirit of a living God can't rest. I have no idea what message or scripture we shared. I don't know what songs that we sung, but just something happened where um, my wife and I, uh, Angie, we were praying for someone and we saw God answer the prayer and healing took place right in front of us. And all of a sudden we looked up and there was like everyone, quite a few people had actually come for this chapel that was not on the schedule. And I reached out to the boat's captain and was like, can we do this? And I told him my credentials. He's like, okay, go ahead and do it. And um, we looked up and there was a line of people just wanting to receive prayer in the middle of this ocean. And I pray that that's the heart that we come here this morning, is this, I, this desire to be in the presence of God and to see the Holy Spirit work. Um, one of the great worship experiences I had was in the Josephina. It's actually the Catholic seminary in, in central Ohio. And I wasn't supposed to be there, but I was doing a, a, a day of solitude, just walking around. I was going to listen to the entire book of John. Um, it was required for a class. I'm not really the guy who just decides to like walk around for 12 hours in prayer. It's hard for me. I've got ADD. It's very difficult. It was required for class. And so I was going to walk around this giant lake and I had a backpack. And uh, about 7 a.m., it started pouring down rain and there was no end in sight. 
So I finished the book of John and it was like 1 p.m. I still had many hours left to go and I'd been rained on for like five hours straight. So I actually went to my mom's house because it was close and she made me a nice warm lunch. And then I went over to the Catholic seminary and said, hey, I seem to walk around. I need indoor space for like six more hours. I'm a seminary student. And they gave me a pass and I got to walk around this seminary. And I really had a deep appreciation because I'm a person who's looked at artwork or looked at a building or looked at a cathedral and be like, man, think about how many people they could have fed in the name of Jesus with that money. But what was so unique about this really old seminary is that I found it so interesting that there was not an inch on that property that wasn't designed specifically to praise God and declare hallelujah. And I had a deep appreciation for that. And we stand in a room here today that I know that there was deep thought that was put into each and every piece of glass in this building. That the reason why we have the internal light of Christ in this building has deep meaning to it. And I built a deep appreciation for that idea that, wow, we can really glorify and worship God um, just through art and through different attributes that we can build things to praise him. So, I, you know, whether it's a camp, whether it's a beach with Rock Harbor, whether it's been in a park or outside the, the school, just the idea to see that we can worship and praise God in so many unique ways, I think is absolutely beautiful. Part of having Betsy play with us this morning was to declare that uh, we maybe don't play the organ every week, but we can, and that's okay. Um, that we can have different expressions on how we worship God here, um, even within the context of our church. Uh, if you don't know the Hebrew word of hallelujah, it, it's mentioned in the Bible over 24 times um, in the Old Testament and four times in Revelation 19 alone. And so we see this book in that from the beginning to the very end, the, the declaration of hallelujah is going to be on our, our lips. And it really could be translated a few different ways. The word uh, hall is just a way of saying that is um, halle is to praise or really to brag about. So when you say hallelujah and you get to that the end, you're really declaring the name of God from Yahweh and you're putting the praise and the name of God together and we get hallelujah. But if you really want to know what you're doing, it says in the word hallelujah, go brag about how awesome God is. So when we come to church and we raise our hands and we sing and we praise and we have loud music, whatever it is, we're trying to brag and tell God how much we love him, how amazing his, he is as we say the words, praise the Lord. There's a story of a, um, of a old cowboy who actually buys a horse from a preacher. And what was interesting was the preacher says he's a great horse. He's actually rather quick. He's strong. He's healthy. Uh, the preacher was moving far away, getting get on a train, said, I don't need the horse anymore. He goes, but there's one unique thing for my horse, and that is I trained him that to get him to go, you don't say giddy up, you say praise the Lord. And if you want him to stop, you've got to say the words amen. You can't say whoa. You've got to say Amen. And so the guy gets on the horse and he says, praise the Lord. And the horse starts walking. Well, you know, he's out west and he's going through and there's a rattlesnake. And the rattlesnake scares the horse and the horse takes off running. And he was a fast horse. So he's going as fast as he can. All of a sudden he looks up and there is a cliff 200 feet straight down right in front of him. And so what's he doing? He's yelling, whoa, because he's scared. So that's his instinct, whoa, whoa, whoa. So finally he remembers and he goes, Amen. And he comes right to the edge. 
And he goes, oh, praise the Lord. <laughs> I just love the idea of like, how great would it be if that gets us going? That when you're having a difficult day, Anthony did a great job speaking last week. And one of the things I really took from the message was the idea that he was frustrated with a slow driver in front of him. And then he started praising the Lord in worship. And then he forgot about the driver. He doesn't even remember when he turned off the road. That when we let the praise of the Lord become what's inside of us, which now I just keep on picturing this stuffed animal. But um, when we have the praise of the Lord inside of us, it, it takes us away. And I've done that so many times in my life where I've been having a bad day. Um, I've been facing spiritual warfare. I've been sad. I've been just needing a touch from God. And, and I would listen to a song. Uh, the song that I've listened to probably the most often is a band. The first time that I was at a worship, uh, it was a worship concert at a church called The Vineyard. Um, the first time that I really felt the Holy Spirit move was at a band um, by the name of Delirious. Does anybody know the band Delirious? All right, a few hands may go up. Uh, this was in 1998. And I just remember for the first time just feeling the Holy Spirit move. And I bought the double CD album on my way out. And for years, that was my go-to CD. When I was in a difficult place, I would just put headphones on. I would listen to the music. And it was those songs. And what was the, uh, oh gosh, the songs that we would sing um, on that CD were just like, can you feel the mountains tremble? Can you hear the mountains roar? I think I mixed up those illustrations, but you get the point. And, um, and just hearing God's presence just come into the, uh, your life, that the praise can do that. It can distract you, but it's not a trick, but it's actually letting God work from the inside out. So we want to brag about the Lord because the truth is we praise whatever we enjoy. So we're going to look at some frameworks. We're going to build four sides of a framework uh, that we see here in Psalm 150 that helps us understand how we can have not just good music in our lives, but how we can have the praise of the Lord surrounding every aspect of us. Because maybe you're like me in some days, we need to fight our battle by having praise completely around us. So we're going to talk about who we praise, where we praise, why we praise, and how we praise. And it's actually not that long of a message. The first thing is, if you're taking notes in your bulletin, it says, to whom is praise conveyed? And the first thing is really simple. It's the, like, Jesus answered the question in Sunday school, but we'll say it's the Lord. Our praise is to the Lord. God wants your praise exclusively. It says in Exodus chapter 20, you shall not bow down to them or worship them, referring to other idols or gods, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. I absolutely love it that he says in scripture, I am a jealous God. I just imagine this Revelation 19 language where it says that the church, that we are the bride of Christ, because that I can understand. You know, I don't want anybody else, you know, uh, praising my wife with, you know, affection um, that I should only be giving to her, nor do I want her giving that to somebody else, right? That's, I think, the affection that he's, that he's saying there, is that he wants to have all of our love that should be given to our Lord should only be given to him and to nothing else. In Revelation 19, it says, And the angel said to me, Write this, Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, These are the true words of God. At this, John, 
is who were, it's his revelation. John fell at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, don't do that. So here's what's happening, just to paint this picture. An angel of the Lord has come that is not Jesus. And he comes and he gives this message. Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. That's why we say on Sunday mornings, our kids are invited to come to Children's Church. We're not forcing you. God doesn't force you to do anything. God invites you to come. He says, you are invited to declare the words, blessed be the Lamb of God, the Lord your God. And then the person, John, kneels down to worship this angel. And he says, don't do that. Don't do that. I am a fellow servant with you and with your brothers and sisters who hold to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for it is the spirit of prophecy who bears testimony to Jesus. And so, yes, we can confidently declare the Bible tells us there's one person that we worship, one person that we pray to, and even through Jesus Christ. We worship Jesus Christ, God the Father, through the power of the Holy Spirit. The only person we praise to the only person we worship, the only persons that we kneel to, the only people that we pray to. And so, yes, I make the biblical argument that we do not pray to angels. We do not pray to saints. We don't pray to Mary. We don't pray for other preachers. We don't pray about, you know, to our power of ourselves. The only person that deserves our praise and our prayers is Jesus Christ. In Exodus chapter 20, Within the commandments, he says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Slavery, You shall have no other gods before me. You see, this one verse has a lot going on. God is saying, this is who I am. I am the Lord your God. He is saying, this is what I've done for you. And today we understand the fullness of redemption through the power of Jesus Christ, who redeemed us on the cross of our sins. And he says, this is what I want from you, that you shall have no other gods before me. You worship Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. Isaiah 42 says, I am the Lord, that is my name. That's the verse, by the way. I'm not like making this up. I am the Lord, that is my name. Nobody else should have that title but me. I will not give my glory to another, nor will I share my praise. He wants all of it because he's the only one that deserves it. So the questions that I really would love for you to work out this week, whether it's at your kitchen table with a friend or, or whatever, even if they don't go to church here, how cool would it be if you got with a neighbor and said, hey, let's look at these three questions this week. The first one is this, are we having Christ-centered praise and worship in our life? What do you think about you know, where is your compass in life? Because you might get shaken. And if you take a compass and shakes it, the needle will move. Let's be real. There are days that we get shaken and our compass kind of can weary back and forth a little bit. But when it sets, the compass always comes back to true north. Where is your compass? Where do you settle? Do you settle with your affection and praise towards Jesus Christ? Colossians says, if then we have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are here on earth. Where are your minds at? What is consuming your mind? If you've ever ridden a horse, um, especially in areas like the Grand Canyon, which technically you probably want to be on a mule, not on a horse. But the one thing they will teach you when you are there is that when you're on the edge 
I know that looks really pretty, but when it gets really close, and there's some areas, who's done that at the Grand Canyon where like it's super, super tight? It's scary. Did they tell you this? Don't look down. Because what's going to happen? When you look down and you lean down, the horse is going to go this way. What are you looking at? Are you looking down? Are you looking up? Are you looking up? Where is you going to keep your praise? Where is your focus? What is your attention being held to? The next thing is, if you're taking notes, is your motives. Why do you do what you do? Why do you say what you say? Why do you text what you text? Why do you post what you post? When you look at your life and you step back, if people said, wow, man, this person is really trying to communicate that for them, what would you fill that blank in? Is it that they love Jesus and their family? That's cool. You can love Jesus and your family and your favorite sports team. Be proud of your kid for getting that goal. Like, that's all good. But when they step back and they see you, what do they see? Do they see that we're there to worship Jesus Christ? First Thessalonians uh, chapter 2 says, On the contrary, we speak as those approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We are not trying to please people, but God who tests your hearts. I'm not judging that we post things that are outside of Jesus. But when people step back and they see what's inside of us, are they seeing Jesus? The last thing in this is your actions. How are you presently serving the Lord? It says in Matthew chapter 6, which I think is going to be on the screen, but the exact same words are in Luke 16. And I say that because when God repeats himself, I think you should probably pay attention. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one or love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Where is your praise? Where is your affection? Joshua says to the people of Israel, choose this day whom you will serve. You realize every single day we're asked that question? Every single day, the way that we spend our time and our resources whom do we serve? So where does praise take place? Where does praise take place? The psalmist mentions two places in Psalm 150. It says, praise God in his sanctuary. Praise God in his mighty firmament. Now in your translation, it may say, praise God in his holy place or praise God in the mighty heavens. But what it's saying is we praise God here on earth and we will praise God for all of eternity in heaven. That in God's sanctuary is the one place that we do praise him. In God's temple, the festivals, all the, the sacrifices, they would take place in the temple. This building isn't in itself going to bring you closer to God, but there is something sacred about coming to church together. When we come together, the Holy Spirit is at work. When we come together, praises are sung. When we come together, the word of God is taught. When we come together as a church, we love as Jesus Christ wants us to love. When we come together, we pray for healing and deliverance. When we come together, people give their lives to Jesus. We come to people, we come together and people worship God through the giving of tithes and offerings. We come together, people are baptized. We come together, we can serve God together. That let's not forget that there is something sacred and special but the fact that we come together and choose to make this the place that we worship God in together. We gather together corporately. Our purpose is to praise. That's why we're here. But don't forget that we will praise God in his mighty firmament. 
that we will be praising God in heaven, that we will praise God on earth and in heaven everywhere. Literally, it means the expanse of the heavens is what they're saying here in this text. That in all of God's creation, that God shall be praised. In Revelation 4 and 5, it really breaks this down. If you want to see the picture, you can read the whole thing. But John is Revelation. He says, I saw four living creatures, and I saw 24 elders bow down. Then I looked out, and I saw just as, as far as the eye can see. It's like he doesn't have the language to explain what he's seeing here. He said, I looked again, and I heard the scene of thousands of millions of angels. That's like the biggest uh, language he could have possibly used. They didn't have like trillions. Like that, that number didn't exist in his language at the time. So he uses the biggest language that he is able to with what he is given at that time in history. He says the singing of thousands of millions of angels around the throne and the living beings and the 24 elder, elders. Then he saw this huge monumentous gathering in the heavens and listened to what they were doing. I heard every creature in heaven and earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them singing to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be praised forever and ever. See, God is going to be praised on earth as well as in heaven. Does that sound familiar? It's the way Jesus taught us to pray. He says, our father in heaven, hallowed be your name your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You see, that's what we're doing here. When we come here and we do church, we're actually practicing for eternity. We're actually coming together because we live in the already but not yet. Already Jesus Christ has died for the, on the cross for your sins. Already the curtain's been torn. We're able to declare God's presence everywhere on earth, even in the middle of the ocean. Already the Holy Spirit is present. Already I joined with a, a prayer team that's led by my um, a good friend of mine, and we are praying for missionaries to go into these northern areas of Vietnam that have never received a missionary because we believe the Holy Spirit can battle even though we can't go there yet. We're praying for the Bibles that are going to go into Ukraine here very soon. We're praying that God is along with that entire process. We're praying through that because that's how we fight our battles. We fight our battles through prayer. We fight our battles through praise. That this is how we prepare. That praise ought to fill our lives like praise fills the halls of heaven is what Jesus is saying. That we should begin to mimic what it's going to be like for all of eternity. You see, when you and I praise on earth, it's the one activity that is mirroring, almost matching what it's going to be like in heaven. His will is being done on earth as it is in heaven, and that's how we can praise him. So right now, right here, as we live our lives on earth, praise ought to fill our lives like praise fills the halls of heavens. I, I mean, think about it. It's going to be a part of your eternal profession. So you might as well get used to it now. You see, we're here in this place where God's people are gathered. And there are songs to be sung. The Lord is to be praised. We engage in worship. We sing these anthems as we praise him. The next thing is, why should praise occur? And the answer the text gives us here in Psalm 150, it says, for his mighty acts. His mighty acts. That's why praise should occur. 
that creation should lead us to the praise of God, that we look at the creation around us and we can praise God. It says, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands, that we can look upwards and we can praise God. And the Psalms remind us that we can look inward and praise God. Psalm 139, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Now, I did ask Preston to stop on the way to church today because my wife got like the hundred facts that every smart person should read. And I was actually looking over notes for this message. And at the time I said, Preston, I'm trying to get my mind around the message. And you're reading me fact after fact after fact. And now it's in the message. But um, he was just like, hey, dad, dad, did you know that like when you get scared or like if someone attacks you, that your eyesight gets better? I'm like, yeah, man, that's how God made us. And like, he was just going on and on and on. Did you know that like when your skin looks like an old man, it's so that if you're out and you're like trying to climb a rock, that you actually have better traction? I'm like, yes, I think I've heard that. Like, you know, at the time I was like, buddy, I'm trying to focus, but now it's my message. And, um, but just how amazing we are that he can look at that. And we can look at that and have two conclusions, right? Look at what an incredible accident of billions of years of death has created by making things better, which I still struggle with that understanding, or to look at ourselves and say, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Because you, when you look at yourself like that, you can declare that God doesn't make mistakes, that there's nothing a part of you that's a mistake. There's nothing that's wrong with you that's a mistake. And I know some of you, like me, deal with some physical issues that we battle each and every single day. And I, last night, was battling it till 3 a.m. We deal with these issues. We've got pain. We've got discomfort. We've had things that don't live the way that we were meant to be, not the way that God intended things to be before sin. But it's where we are. And we can look at that and say, no, God doesn't make mistakes. We praise God for who he is. We praise God for what he's done. Out of all of the things that God's done, what's the number one thing that he deserves praise for? It's for his forgiveness and redemption. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians, and in their prayers for their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace that God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Don't go a day, I truly mean it. Don't go a day without recognizing that we are sinners in need of a savior. Don't take that for granted for a day. And I don't want you every single night to be broken down in tears because like we just watched the passion for the first time. But I want us to every single day praise God in that. I'm not trying to bring you to a place of tears every day. I'm trying to bring you to a place of praise every day. That you can praise God. God, I was not perfect today. I tried. I tried my best through your power. But God, I praise you that I know that my sins are forgiven. I don't mean you gotta get it resaved again. You get saved once. God doesn't love you more because you prayed it a second or a third time. But no, just to recognize every single day, I'm so thankful I can put my head down and go to sleep tonight knowing that my sins are forgiven because I've asked Jesus Christ to forgive me for my sins and he died on the cross for them. And I know that it was done and it was over. That's the number one reason why we should praise him. When we sing these songs, that's what we're trying to remind you of, is who God is and what he has done for us. You see, there's something called a taste berry. Has anyone ever heard of a taste berry? 
Anyone ever tried a taste berry? I looked them up on Amazon, and you can't buy them on Amazon. Um, it's actually like a myth from like Africa and some different parts of the world that there's a the berry that exists that you can eat it. And for the next three to four hours, the berry tastes so good that whatever else you eat after it, it will still taste good because the taste berry is so enticing every single part of your tongue and your mouth, your smell, that at that point, it doesn't matter what comes next. And I'm here to tell you, that's what praise can be in your life. When you go into your life praising God for who he is, praising God for what he has done, And then all of a sudden, when you focus on his mighty acts, but you're having a bad day, who he is hasn't changed. And you can still praise him for what he's done for you, regardless of the circumstances of your day. You see, that might be if you've come to church today because you're broken. You said, man, I just need to come. and I just need to hear the word of God. That's that's it. It's praise him. It's our taste berry. It's what gets us from the bad days to the good days. It's how we can be in the presence of God and know who he is. So the last thing is, how is praise expressed? With instruments man has made. Thank you, Jenny, for reading them off. And we were talking about some of the words. What was it? Liar, leer, what'd you say? They said the one of the city, the other. The truth is a lot of these instruments, we've tried to translate them, but we're guessing. And we know some of them have been lost to antiquity. But there's what I, here's what I want you to see about these verses here that goes through these different songs and these different instruments is there's ways that we express God. The one way is with instruments that man has made. The other is with the breath that only God can give us. So when we come here to praise and we've got John Henry or Richard playing the drums, we're using instruments that God has made, but we know that God made you. And we know that God made Richard. We know that God made you. So we're seeing this combination of our creativity and God's creation coming together for a full expression. When our people come here to sing, the breath that they are using to sing is the breath that God has breathed into us. So I love the fact that we've got, I get to do some stuff with the tech people that we've got people in the back that right now are making this entire service possible. We're praising God through this. We're taking all that we can do but also combine it with only what God can do. And through that, we can see God at work. Martin Luther talked a ton about praise during the Reformation. He says that essentially it was like their secret weapon. He says, next to theology, I give music the highest place in honor. Music is the art of the prophets, the only art that can calm the agitations of the soul. It is one of the most magnificent and delightful presents that God has for us. It's a present that God gives us of his presence. If any man despises music as all the fanatics tend to do, for him, I have no liking. There was people in his day that said, no, it should be rigid. We should wear black robes and come to church because it's serious. He's saying, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says we should have fun in this place. We're here to make this look like eternity. And if we make this boring and we make this all about what we wear and what we do, is that really how you want to spend the rest of eternity? It's like, no, we should be praising him. For music is a gift and grace of God, not an invention of men. Thus it drives out the devil and makes people cheerful, and I've seen it do both. Then one forgets all wrath and purity and other devices and just focuses on Jesus. That's the power in music. And I think God intended that to be. Have you fought a battle with music? Anybody ever fought a battle with worship music? 
I'm glad I'm not alone. Anybody ever just been moved to tears by music? It can even be in Titanic. That's okay. Like, it doesn't all have to be Jesus. Um, have you felt love by music? Have you fallen in love more with music? First song I danced to with Angie was by Joe. I want to know. Anybody know that song? Late 90s R&B is amazing. Matt knows it. Every time we hear that song, it goes back to that first time that I danced with her. You see, music is powerful. With breath, God gives us. It says in Philippians that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. If you really want to praise him this morning, I've got good news for you. You don't have to use a tambourine unless you want to. Not encouraging that either. Um, you don't have to wave a flag. You don't have to shout. You don't have to scream. The most powerful way that you can praise the name of Jesus Christ this morning is doing that verse. Confessing to him that he is Lord. That's what this whole message has been, right? All the way back into Exodus. Know that I am Lord. Declare that he is Lord. That nobody else in your life is Lord. That there is no object in your life that is Lord. There's no political party in your life that is Lord. There's nothing else that is Lord in your life except for Jesus Christ. Declare that today. And maybe you've never done that before. Maybe you've never done that. You've never actually taken that point. And that's the big thing is when you declare Jesus, it's you and nothing else. You are first. My wife is not. My kids are not. I love you all, but my church is a little further down that list than the rest of those. But Jesus Christ is number one above all else. And that makes me the best husband I can be, the best father I can be, hopefully the best pastor I can be. Because Jesus Christ is number one. Maybe today you need to make Jesus Christ number one. Maybe that's how you're going to worship him. That's how you're going to praise him. I will tell you if you do that, that down the road eventually you're going to raise your hands because you know he's the answer. You're going to want to praise him and you're going to sing loudly. Right, Rob? We know Rob loves praising the Lord, and I love it, man. I love it, and I love you for that. Maybe this morning, God needs to hear you say it. Would you pray with me? Ah, oh, Jesus, just thank you so much that I've gotten to preach this message today. I just feel like this message was easy to preach because all I got to do is brag about my favorite, my best friend, the person whom I love more than anything in this world, and that is Jesus Christ. God, we just literally got to brag about you for 25 minutes. God, we got to sing about you. We're going to get this chance to sing a couple more. We're going to get a chance to hear the organ again. We're going to get a chance to declare who you are. God, I'm so thankful that today we're going to sing the words here below, that we're going to just take this next 15 minutes and just let's just pretend that we're in heaven. I know that some of us have stuff that's happening. I know some of us have relationships that are breaking. I know some of us have financial situations that are crumbling. I know some of us have health situations that just seem like they spiral out of control. God, I know we all have this stuff, but, but right now we're going to just go and experience heaven for a little bit. But God, we know the one thing that doesn't exist in heaven is sin. So if there's anyone here who has never confessed with their mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, I pray this morning, Lord, that your Holy Spirit has been working, preparing, even as prayers were sung in the sanctuary an hour before the message began, 
that God, that you are at work, even with a person who maybe said, I don't know if I'm going to go and I'm going to watch this online. Maybe they're just, they came here because they were forced to come here, but God, you've been working in it. And right now you want to say, confess, confess your sins to Jesus, praise him, say only you are Lord. If that is you, would you say this prayer with me? Heavenly Father, I confess that I have sinned against you. But Jesus, I thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I praise you today by making you Lord in my life. I'm holding nothing back. I'm giving you all of it. Making you number one. Jesus, I commit my life to you. I choose to give you my life because you've already given me yours. Pray the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.